Welcome to episode 32 of the G2 on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 15 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend, dialing in from the Florida Keys on audio only this week, and joining me again is fellow analyst Anshul Sag. Let's get started. So my first topic, this week Microsoft, Azure, and Deutsche Telekom announced a strategic seven-year partnership. And, um, you know, it's, it's no surprise that the pandemic has shined a light on the need for scalability in light of heavier usage on cellular networks with work from home and that sort of thing. And, you know, on the surface, this is a pretty solid um, relationship from my perspective. Azure has been making some critical investments and acquisitions this year to really beef up their, um, their telco cloud delivery. And, um, you know, th there was also talk around how Microsoft with Office 365 is going to support uh, a remote uh, education initiative through Deutsche Telekom as well. So I don't know, Angel, if you caught this news, but any thoughts? I did not catch this news. However, um, I do follow Deutsche Telekom pretty closely. And um, it's interesting because uh, they have been very aggressive in who they're partnering with. Um, and just in general, how aggressive they are with planning ahead for the future. Um, so them signing a seven-year deal with uh, Azure makes sense um, because they're kind of one of the leaders in the XR 5G space. Um, mm -hmm. And it just seems like they're doing a lot of things to set themselves up for success long-term, you know, like with their joint venture um, on technology development that we talked about in previous podcasts. So I, I think I think they're just showing that they are looking, you know, way into the future and are planning for what, what may come ahead. Yeah, no, I agree. I think this lays a great foundation. I mean, they're specifically beyond the Office 365 and the distance learning um, initiatives. Um, there weren't any other specific um, services that were announced, but I expect this is going to be a, a good, solid foundation um, to roll out future services. So we'll keep our eyes on this one and uh, report back as things develop. Let's move to your first topic this week. And uh, Reliance Jio uh, is finally launching their, their 5G network. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, Reliance Jio is the, you know, the largest operator in India, uh, currently does not have a 5G network, but does have the largest uh, 4G network in India, and I believe might, might even be one of the largest 4G networks in the world. Um, I don't think they're quite as big as China um, Mobile yet, but um, what's interesting is they're, as you know, we've talked about previous podcasts, they're rolling out their own 5G network using their own technology, which I think is going to be a, um, a mixture of a lot of different vendors um, that will help them, you know, build the network they want to have. Um, and there's a high probability it will be ORAN based. Um, right. But uh, what they said is that uh, they plan on having uh, their network rolled out in the second half of 2021, um, which is admittedly a little bit on the late side compared to a lot of other operators around the world. Um, but it also, they need to have the spectrum available. Um, and that auction has not happened yet. So that's part of the problem. Um, and as a result, uh, once that auction is a, you know happens and the spectrum is allocated, they can roll out their network, and that's the time frame that they're expecting. 
think that it's going to be a fairly limited network uh, when you look at where they deploy it. Um, but I have a feeling that they're already probably putting a lot of the pieces in place now so they can be very rapid with their deployment, which they were with 4G. And I have a feeling that 5G is going to be the same way. And because of the way their network is built and the way they you know, optimize for cost, they're probably going to have the cheapest 5G service in the world like they did with 4G. Yeah, no, I followed their 4G rollout as well. And it was highly software defined to your perspective and your point. And, uh, and obviously, you know, in that part of the world, you know, cost is a factor. So I would absolutely, um, you know, assume that, you know, Open RAN is going to be part of their radio access network deployment and probably Open Core, you know, to a greater extent. Now, I'm not familiar with um, what they're leveraging for transport. Is that, is that microwave in that part of the world or are you familiar with that? I believe it's fiber. Um, okay. Because in India, they, they, a lot of the most dense areas do have fiber because mm -hmm. the, the economies of scale make sense. Yeah, interesting. Well, they've, they've been a real disruptor in India and I expect, you know, to your point, they, they seem a little late to the 5G party, but I expect uh, in short order, if they do the same that they did with, uh, with LTE, that they'll have, it, um, they'll have it deployed pretty quickly. So uh, we'll have to keep our eyes on that. Let me move to my second topic this week. And um, this year, um, Amazon Web Services reInvent event has been spread over a couple of weeks. And so I've been able to um, tune in to various sessions. This week, I tuned into a 5G session. And, you know, I, I continue to be impressed with their leadership, specifically in Edge, when you look at what they're doing with their Wavelength and their, their Outpost platforms. And, you know, from my perspective, you know, edge enablement is really going to supercharge um, 5G applications and, and use cases. And, and honestly, you know, Azure, you know, we were speaking about Azure earlier. Azure's made a lot of strides to really kind of position themselves as number two from, you know, uh, the big cloud provider perspective. But still, in my mind, um, AWS continues to lead the charge. Um, there have also been announcements over the last few weeks around strategic partnerships with, uh, with operators like Verizon. And so it's just not, you know, it's just not pan, you know, pie in the sky. It's, uh, you know, they're actually deploying, you know, um, very useful technology to really help operators, uh, again, supercharge this 5G network. So any thoughts from your perspective? I think... Um... I didn't get catch what their what their reinvent um, announcements were, but from what I've seen, they definitely have been very proactive, um, and it doesn't seem like it's POCs as much as it's already you know working on um, commercial deployments and mm -hmm. making their application layers available to developers on 5G networks. And I know that they've got some edge stuff working as well. Um, and they've already deployed that in a few cities. So I think we're starting to see the beginning of these things, but I think it's going to take some time, especially with the networks still not being standalone um, until 5G really gets fully leveraged uh, in the cloud with what operators are offering as well. Yeah, and you're absolutely spot on. You know, it's not proof of concept. I mean, they're actually deploying this stuff, and I actually spent time with, with AWS and one of their service provider partners. 
And the, the, my big takeaway was that um, just, uh, just the agility that AWS is enabling their service providers to, to you know, develop on top of the stack. And, you know, some of that was LTE, you know, 5G is still obviously being rolled out as we speak, but it's the agility that I think AWS is bringing um, to service providers and it's cutting development cycles and it's, you know, it's reducing um, OPEX and it's bringing services to market faster. So we'll keep our eyes on this and um, as, you know, future announcements uh, develop, we'll report back. But let's shift to your second topic this week. And you want to talk about Qualcomm and NTT Docomo uh, and their first commercial sub six carrier aggregation launch. Yeah. So as you said, uh, Qualcomm and Entity Docomo have announced the first um, carrier aggregation of sub six spectrum in Japan, which I believe is also the first globally that's like a commercial deployment. Um, and what's interesting is they're actually using current hardware, which is a Snapdragon 865 with the X55 modem. So this isn't like a prototype device. Um, this is commercial. Um, and they, they did it with, a, um, with two different bands combining uh, two 100 megahertz carriers, which was the 3.7 and the 4.5 gigahertz bands. And NTT Docomo says that these two bands combined which would be 200 megahertz of spectrum, which is quite a bit. Um, it is. Would allow a user to reach peak speeds of 4.2 gigabytes per second, um, which is crazy. For crazy. <laughs> I was going to say, like, one is, like, awesome. Four is, yeah. like, mind-blowing. And I think realistically, um, I don't know what the spectrum holdings look like in Japan but 100 megahertz blocks is pretty impressive that yeah. said, sprint does have almost 200 megahertz so it's possible um but this is kind of a an example of what is actually possible when you start adding carrier aggregation and combining multiple multi-gigahertz bands together um what what is interesting is that there is no low band in this deployment, which yeah. means that um, coverage is still probably not as great as it could be. Mm -hmm. um, and that signal, you know, you're not, you're going to drop signal because it's 3.7 yeah. and it's 4.5. Um, so I think there definitely is going to be some appetite for some low band as well. Um, but we'll see what happens with that deployment um, because NTT Docomo is already um, tapped NEC uh, to do their um, standalone 5G upgrade for their, to their mobile core. So um, I think they're moving along very quickly. And the thing is NTT Docomo is planning to have their SA 5G up next year. So it's, it's commercialization, but I don't really think it's commercially available right um, yeah so we'll see whether users will get anywhere near 4.2 gigabits per second um 
but it is very promising. Um, but yeah, it's, I think their standalone network is going to be um, what, what really enables this carrier aggregation to, to reach maximum speeds and low latency. Um, but yeah, it seems like NTT Docomo is not, not re doesn't really have that many subscribers uh, on their network um, mm -hmm. because it says that they only have 500,000. Um, and that's, it's commercial, but it's not a very large network at this point. No, no, no. And so certainly as you put more people and more load on the network, it's going to, it's going to impact performance. So, but it, it is, it is interesting. It is mind blowing to think that, you know, th there's the possibility that, you know, you know, we could have, you know, experience speeds that fast, but uh, let's keep our eye on this and uh, let's report back as things develop. And we'll move to my third topic this week. And um, it's been it's been analyst event season in December. We're not getting a break, and it's hard for folks like Angela and I to <laughs> to take PTO even in the month of December. But um, Marvell had their uh, their analyst day this week, and I attended. Oh, yeah. And they announced they announced an end to end um, open RAN portfolio to support 5G. And you know I continue to be impressed with Marvell. Um, this this end to end solution involves obviously silicon, um, as well as hardware, um, you know, and software blueprints. Um, and it's no secret that Open RAM is gaining momentum, uh, not only in the US, but um, around the world. And, you know, this represents an invest, a significant investment on Marvell's part um, into something where the standards are still coalescing. But I mean, certainly organizations like the Telecom Info Project, uh, the Open RAN um, Alliance, the ORAN Alliance, and the Open RAN Policy Coalition are helping to quickly close that gap. But this is a significant investment, and really, the only other company that I can think of that really bet big on something and, and didn't extract revenue for several years is NVIDIA. So, um, from my perspective, it, it it really represents you know a significant investment on Marvell's part. Yeah, it was interesting because I also participated in, in those sessions and um, they definitely seem like they want to be the merchant silicon for 5G networks. I mean, they kind of mm -hmm. already are, Yeah. but um, I think they want to make it very clear that they are capable and willing to be the end-to-end -end supplier for a lot of their customers who in turn deploy the infrastructure to their networks. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they made some pretty mind-blowing claims. I mean, they're, they're numero uno, you know, in that space. And, you know, this just, and from my perspective, cements their, their leadership. So we'll keep our eye on this and see how things develop. But let, let's move to your third topic this week. And you want to talk generally about millimeter wave deployments supporting 5G. Yeah, so there were a couple developments that happened this week um, when it came to millimeter wave on 5G, which is why I wanted to talk about it. Um, the first one was that um, AT&T is kind of falling behind um, Verizon in their deployment of millimeter wave. Um, both companies kind of came fast out of the gate on 5G with millimeter wave. Uh, and it seems like AT&T is um, kind of taking their time now with rolling out millimeter wave. Um, and I think it's because they don't really see the value of it right now. Um, mm -hmm. And 
they are obviously not being as aggressive as Verizon in, in this space and T-Mobile is, you know, a distant third. But the reality is, is that I think uh, if you look at how um, the network topologies work today, millimeter wave is really a density problem. Yeah. Uh, and with people not really gathering in high densities anywhere, yeah, it doesn't make that much sense to push millimeter wave very aggressively unless you plan on having a large fixed wireless deployment based on that. I think that's, mm -hmm. why, that's part of the reason why I think Verizon is being as aggressive as they are, because I think they are pushing FWA more than anyone else. And, yeah. Um, I think it's fine that AT&T is not, you know, being as aggressive as Verizon or have as much of a, um, you know, footprint. But I think long term, everyone's going to have a sizable millimeter wave footprint. And I just think it's going to be, you know, limited to the places where it's needed most, kind of like gigabit LTE is today. Yeah. Right. And I think that it's just interesting because AT&T was very aggressive with their millimeter wave messaging two years ago, and now they don't even talk about it, which is fine because if you look at AT&T's network, you know, they are much closer to T-Mobile's coverage than Verizon is. Yeah. Now is that, so, yeah, so there, there's one thing about, you know, deployments so you can count cities and that sort of thing for millimeter wave, but isn't it also perception because Verizon's been very aggressive with their ultra wideband rollout and their messaging, you know, real 5G and that sort of thing. And actually um, they've got, they've caught some flack for that. Right. So is this, is this a perception game? Is it, is it a deployment game or is it both? And from your perspective, I think, I mean, it's really a perception game first and foremost because reality yeah. neither company has that many 5G subscribers yet. I think you're going to see a lot more because of the iPhone. I think iPhone will probably double 5G subscribers in the US just because sure. you know it's on, it's there. Yeah. I don't even know if it, they they know they get 5G but for them it's just part of the new phone, right? So yeah. I think what'll happen is you'll see a lot more muddling of millimeter wave mid band and low band like it should be. And long-term, I think, you know, in two to three years, there'll probably be no mention of millimeter wave mid band or low band in any kind of marketing. And everybody's just gonna be talking about how fast their 5G is and how, how, how fast it is and what their coverage looks like. That's gonna be all people talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And again, it's a journey. 5G is a journey. It's not a light switch. So it'll take time to get there. So, well, hey, buddy. Part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been another great podcast. Why don't you take us home? Absolutely. I, we hope that you guys listened and enjoyed our podcast for this week uh, and hope you found our topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide insight on a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, Please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Will Tontech, and I'm at Anshul Saad. We hope you have a great weekend, and please tune in again next week.